welcome back to another episode of When the Dust Settles. This week we are really treated to have a little chat with Greg Penn, otherwise known as Man with a Hammer or that bloke with a beard that sits in baths a lot. (laughs) If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you'll find him on Instagram at that handle, Man with a Hammer, along with approximately 170,000 followers. There's a reason why this man has that many followers. He has an absolutely stunning house and a wonderful story to tell as well. And if anyone follows him already, you'll know that he has a really great way with colour, a great way with pattern, and just a massively positive outlook on something that can sometimes be really, really hard work. Um, he's been really generous with both his time and what he shared, and I know that you're really going to enjoy the chat. But just before we get into it, I wanted to give you a little heads up that you that we have just released the first part of our renovation toolkit, and you can find it on Etsy. I've been banging on about it for a couple of episodes now. Also, I've been banging on about it on the Facebook uh, group. And it's here, it's live and ready and waiting for anyone that is starting a renovation or even maybe thinking about a renovation or changes to your home next year and is a little bit tent about budgeting or what it might involve. This is going to help you out a ton. It's based on what we use at the studio, so it's massively detailed and it's been a long time in the making both our end and then also putting it together so that it's easy for you guys to use your end. It's going to help you think about your light switches, your skirting, all the other trades that you might need to get in, all the paperwork that you might need to get in, all the things that basically make your head go I'm ready to explode when you start thinking about this stuff. We've laid it out in a really simple way that has cells that just add themselves up. It's also got a calculator to help you with flooring and tiles and wallpaper mounts. Um, It's just basically having someone that's done a load of these renovations sat next to you going, oh, don't forget that, put that in, you'll probably want this. So a certain amount of it is pre-filled, but also it's editable, so... And as well as just being helpful to work out exactly how much you're probably going to need to budget for your project, it's also going to ensure that you don't get too many hidden surprises along the way when it comes to your budget and doing your work on your property. So that's available now. And because I love all you guys that listen to this podcast and you've all been so kind on things like reviews and ratings and getting in touch and stuff, I wanted to give... You guys offer on it because I just really want you to boss all of your projects um, and I want to help you as much as I can. So we've got a code that's £15 off until the end of September. The sheet is £64, so it comes to about 47 with the £15 off. Um, and I'm going to give you that code at the end of the show. So keep listening. It'll be at the end. And in the meantime... Let's get on with the chat. Hello, hello, hello. How's it going? All right? Good. Yourself? Yeah, really well, thank you. Really well. I'm pretty dishevelled, I'm afraid. I've been paint stripping, so, you know, you'll have to take me as you find me. Don't worry about it. I'm sat in my office come shed and it's pissing down with rain outside. And if you hear any weird noises in the background, it's my dog snoring. It's not Uh, me. 
Excellent. Good to know. Well, it's, it's, it's blue skies and sunshine here. It's gorgeous. I've obviously been following you for a long time now, keeping an eye on what you're doing. You're basically living my dream. <laughs> If only I had a little bit more like brute force in me, I think I would be able to do a lot more. Unfortunately, I'm the handy one and my husband isn't so much. So oh, um, really, mm, yeah, okay. as much yeah. as my father would like it. Otherwise, my father's very handy. He does everything. But yes, you're living like my dream and so many other people's as well. So I just thought who better to have a chat with for my audience who all either want to renovate are hoping to renovate or in the middle of renovating or redoing and things like that and I know you've been a big inspiration to a lot of them as well so thank you for taking the time very kind thank you no my pleasure so you're at Admirals is that the official name for the house yeah Admirals House yeah it's I'd really love one day to kind of properly delve into the history of it and things like that it's difficult to kind of know, but it was it was built by the Navy. It sits on the site of the old Royal Naval Hospital here in Plymouth. It would have been Stonehouse, actually, before when it was built. It's amazing. The hospital site would have been surrounded pretty much by kind of marshland and fields and grassland with a little kind of village just a little bit towards the sea and then nothing. And then slowly over the last 200 odd years as Plymouth's grown, it's kind of swallowed up the three sort of separate little settlements Plymouth Stonehouse and Devonport are now one big big lump of a thing so yeah now it's surrounded by buildings and houses and that sort of thing but yeah when it was built it was in the middle of nowhere almost kind of straight off the sea and things like that so yeah it's crazy how places start just completely on their own and then get built up around I have a park opposite me and there's a there's a big building in it Manor House and that was manor house and yeah. the park is its garden and if you look back there's things about it saying it's just sat in all its own land and this that and the other and none of the streets or anything else it's funny when you think like that isn't it that there was it's just incredible. nothing else there at one point i love looking at the old maps and things like that it's incredible yeah so interesting and so you're so you're in plymouth now but yeah. you haven't always been in Plymouth have you? No no I'm a, I'm a Yorkshireman originally. <laughs> I found the house once I was down I came down with work and was uh, so for sort of 18 months after I sold 18 months two years something like that after I sold my last place up in well it's in the northeast actually just outside of North Yorkshire in town called Darlington and uh, moved down for work the place that I worked at um, I was working in their kind of little North um, Yorkshire on their North Yorkshire farm, but their head office is down in Devon. So it's quite easy for me to, to come down. I was living in a kind of shoebox sized flat with a very good view of the sea, which was really nice, but it was about the size of a small caravan really <laughs> for uh, 18 months or so, maybe something like that. I'm not too sure. I'm always a bit rubbish with the timeline, but but looking for the next project sort of thing. So yeah, the house was not part of, of me coming down. I knew I wanted to, to settle here. Devon is a really nice part of the world, as is Yorkshire. So yeah, it was once it's a case of once I was down here, it was then find find the next project. And I found found this girl. So yeah. And this lovely one. And so so obviously the house is taking up a lot of your time. And I did listen to the other podcast you did the other day. And you said that now you're a fully fledged Instagrammer thanks to the house and that you don't do said job anymore. Has that been the case for? 
about about a year, I think, something like that. So it's just one of those things that you stumble into. You can never set out with that intention because you never know how things are going to go with something like Instagram. You're completely out of control of it, really. You can work really hard on it, and I obviously it, it takes up an enormous amount of my of my time. But yeah, the interest in the in the house, and I've got really really supportive and, and kind followers, which is lovely, which has allowed me to work with some really amazing brands that have been incredible in what it's allowed me to to get on with and do with the house and and a living from as well it's amazing I think people probably underestimate how much time it takes it's running Instagram and all the bits around it before I lift a finger with the house is 40 50 plus hours a week so it is it's a it's a full-time job and and then some a lot of weeks but it's incredible I absolutely love it and then I, I obviously fit doing the house on top of that so I'm busy but I, I absolutely love it and it was no different when I was in fact it's, it was worse when I was working full-time because I had full-time still tried to do the house and was still probably putting 40 hours a week into Instagram at the same time so Instagram is definitely like a time sucker yeah <laughs> you it's forget a- how much goes on behind the scenes um to make the little squares and now the reels yeah re- reels is good fun <laughs> reels uh, can't even talk about reels that's put me off <laughs> well, you know, I, I was really I was really I'm a bit of a grumpy old man about them but but amazingly I've had a few that have absolutely flown and my account has seen some growth on the back of it and that sort of thing so I can't complain too hard really <laughs> you know it is they are they are what they are I mean I do still think it's a shame I think for people that are doing design or renovating or anything where there's something that you've spent a lot of time working on and create something that's um well hopefully beautiful at the end of it video is not the best format to allow people to absorb kind of the detail and the richness and the colors so it's great to kind of show here's what it was before and here's what it is after but if you really want to sit and and take in you know the work that someone's known or if you're an artist or a some kind of creative um person then video is is not the best format for it so um hey so talking about work and work done am i right in thinking that you've pretty much diy'd and done everything give or take in the house so far yourself pretty much yeah pretty much there's a couple of jobs I I don't do um some of it some of them are because I'm not very good at them and don't like them so plastering I'm rubbish at I know how to um, oh it's one of of those skills that is it requires kind of muscle memory and it requires practice Mm -hmm. so if you look at the guys who are professionals who do an amazing job and they do it quickly and efficiently and cleanly it's because they've been doing it for however many years and it's just one of those it's, it's almost my feel it's not like plumbing where you can learn about plumbing and then you can go and plumb it's not something that you have to practice at, I don't think because you just you follow the rules and it works or it doesn't and it's just one it's one of those things whereas anything that requires a bit of touch and a bit of kind like of new artistry yeah absolutely so um so I'm rubbish at plastering so like I say I can and in a real fix I can patch bits up and things like that but it would take me a week to do what the guy that I use he's brilliant he's been doing it all his life does in a day and his finish is better and I'd make a right old mess of things so I'm just I'm really happy for them to do that and then obviously things like electrics so I do a lot of the laboring for the electricians but I let them do the kind of stuff that's buried in walls and the consumer units and stuff because obviously the consequences of that going wrong are that the house burns down or I kill myself so and I'm colorblind as well so there's kind of you know there's a few things like that that I, that I don't do but yeah pretty much everything else is um is is me so um so yeah it's all all good fun 
And have you found a really steep learning curve? Where have you have you sort of been looking at YouTube videos and all that, reading books, stuff like that? Like, where have you found the best information to learn, I suppose? Yeah, Google and, and YouTube are really, really good. There's also for things like decorating or repairing rotten windows and that sort of thing. Instagram now actually has become a really, really good resource with a lot of professionals and experts sharing sharing their their skills and their recommendations and that sort of thing and, and sort of tutorials so you can learn an awful lot through following pros I mean that's how I kind of picked up a lot of the design stuff which I'm still learning an awful lot about but nowadays most brilliant interior designers have an Instagram page so you get an insight into their work and into the homes they're creating like you would just never have had 10 years ago thanks to social media and Instagram and things like that so yeah there's there's loads of ways and means of of learning stuff and I always kind of just say to people, it's none of it is is that complicated. A lot of it is really hard work, like it's physical and it's tiring and it's dirty. And the paint stripper I've been using this morning is so alkali that if you get it on your skin, it kind of starts burning through your skin. So like it's it's not fun, but it's not complicated. You know, it's kind of it's not brain surgery. It's paint stripping. So it's not um, it's not always that complicated. It's just graft, you know, it's hard work, it's long hours, it's dirty and it's dusty and it's cold and miserable a lot of times. So I think as long as you're kind of reasonably um, willing to give stuff a go, most of it, most people could learn. Like you were saying, some of it is physically quite demanding and I'm a big chap with strong hands and all that sort of thing. So, so sometimes that really helps. Yeah. But actually just getting your head around how to do stuff, a lot of it is is relatively straightforward, I think. Well, at least also, if you are going to employ someone at some point, at least A, you understand the work that it undertakes, so you understand the quoting more, and B, you can always break it down and think, okay, well, maybe I'll do this part of it, like you said, with the electrics, maybe I'll get it to this point, and I'll just pay for the professional to come in and do what needs to be done by a professional yeah massively like but because I lift the floorboards and I provide all the routes for the electrician I've probably throughout the whole rewire of the house will probably save 15,000 pounds on if he was coming in and doing the whole thing himself because electricians love doing the electrics they really hate lifting up floorboards because kind of anyone can do that with robot, you know no exactly but most of the time they go in and they just go into a room that's not been touched and they have to do all that sort of stuff so yeah if you can make life easier for a trade by like doing a lot of prep work or if you can get the walls strip all the wallpaper clean them all down get them ready to the point where a plaster can come in and just do his job then you'll end up with a much cheaper quote than if you were just going please sort this room out and hadn't touched it so yeah absolutely and talking about that then did you have a budget in mind when you because actually rewinding back a bit I wanted to also ask you because I asked you before this chat whether you're happy about talking about pricing and things which I think is and you said yes which is great thank you but I think that it's really important to chat about because of a few factors one is that obviously we see a lot of these beautiful houses such as yourself your one on Instagram and everyone either assumes they are so out of reach and this that and the other yet they might be in an area like yours that isn't London for example where prices fluctuate and I think it's good to really show people how maybe you can get more for your money if you move out um, and things like that and also show people how much money can be made in putting in a lot of hard graft and then reselling as well and and where that value can be found when it's not just adding square footage like an extension or or what have you. Um, I think that's quite empowering, especially nowadays when you think about how difficult it is to get the money together for deposits and stuff like that and and what have you. I think realising that actually you can make money on 
doing something that if you love it as well, then bonus whilst living in it, happy days. But so you mentioned that your place was in the other interview that you did, you mentioned that the Admirals was initially on for a lot more than you could afford and you put in a really cheeky low offer. Yeah. Interested to know how much you knocked off with that offer. (laughs) So it started on the market. This was before I had moved down to Devon. So this was this was kind of it was on the market for years and years and years. And it start it went on the market years ago at eight fifty. Obviously, no one bought it, so they dropped it down to seven fifty. And when I found it, this is probably having been on the market for two years. It was on at six fifty, um, which I, I couldn't I couldn't afford. So I'd actually I'd. I'd got the details I'd even got the paper details because I was was just I'd fallen in love with it way before seeing it and I'd had the details kind of knocking about and I kept looking at them and I was drawing floor plans of what I thought the kitchen could be and all that sort of thing for probably six or eight months before I actually even looked at the house because I couldn't afford it there was literally no point in going to see it because so you were manifesting the shit out of that though place myself here and it will happen I also I knew I knew I, I would love it like there was no no question in my mind that I would turn up and absolutely adore it so um so I, so I didn't I didn't go and see it but the problem was I was looking at houses that were within my budget and trying to compare them to admirals which was stupid it's kind of comparing comparing a three-story Victorian terrace which I love and they're beautiful houses and it's pretty much what I had before and that's what I expected to get again and Devon is a bit dear from Darlington so I was already kind of in a slightly upside down world where I was looking at stuff smaller than the house I'd come from but I was kind of going oh yeah but it's not it's not admiral so of course it's not it's half the price you know what do you expect so I, in the end it was a rainy January and I think I'd been obsessing with it over Christmas with a bit of downtime still hadn't found the house despite looking I'd, I'd put some office in and, and been beaten by other people for six or six or eight months and I was just like right I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it just to just to get it out of my system just look at it and go yep yeah, I love it can't afford it I can forget about it now turned up and it was as is often the way much more knackered than estate agents photos suggest the estate agents photos had probably been taken three years ago and in that three years, the house had been, I mean, it's been neglected ever since the previous owners had it, really. But in the last three years, it had clearly gone downhill at a rate of knots. Water was coming in. There was pigeons and rats living in parts of it. There was plants growing through walls. There was massive water damage. And all those things rapidly age the kind of deterioration of a house. So I just thought, well, look, I'll... Um, I know I can do something with it. I absolutely love it, as I as I knew I would, despite seeing it in the dark on a rainy January sort of night after work. And I just went, right, well, here's here's my offer. My offer was 485. It, I knew it was low. I was expecting them to say no, but that was literally, I sort of sat down with a fag packet and worked out what I reckon I could borrow and how much money I could get my hands on. And this is like, that was it. That's, that's everything I kind of own in the world that involved me selling my car, selling anything that I had of value to, to sort of fund it. And they said no. And they kind of they came back with a counter offer. I just said, look, it's not whether the house is worth it or not at this point is irrelevant because that is as much as I can afford. And either you go for it or you don't. And I think I was lucky in a way. I think they probably got to the point where they realised that if they left it another six months, there is a tipping point at which this house would have become not financially viable for someone to take on. In fact, I think that's why it had not sold, actually, because for most people, if they were coming in and going to be paying people to do the work yeah. because of the area it's in, there was a ceiling price at the time, which has gone up a bit thanks to COVID, but there's a ceiling price of what it's ever going to be worth. And 
it would have probably ended up being a ruin. It would have got to the point where, and because it's listed and because it's the area that it's in, it couldn't really have been turned into flats or a developer done anything with it or a HMO or anything like that. So it had to remain a house. And I don't think anyone, until it got to the point where it was maybe half that value because of the volume, the amount of money that someone would have had to put into it. So I think they probably realised this is kind of last chance saloon we'll we'll have to accept. And um, so, yeah, kind of timing, look, a bit of determination and vision. And then from that point, it still took seven months to get the keys. So it was it was still quite a hard process from that point onwards. But yeah, you know. It goes but... to show it's worth putting in an offer, right? It's worth trying. Because I think this is something else that people often don't realise is that you can put in a really low. It's what a lot of developers do all the time. Yeah, they, yeah. put in, they spend their time looking at loads of different places, putting in massively low offers and hoping to find the people that are either desperate to sell or, like you say, have got to the point where they're like, well, the value's just going to tip. Um, and some of them come through. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they can only say no. There's no gun to their head sort of making them say yeah. So it's up to them. But I would always, if I was selling a place, I would always rather someone put in the offer than than think oh well it's too low they might not accept it because they don't know the circumstances and also with something it's a little bit different if you're buying a house that's got on a street with 20 houses that are pretty much the same because within a within a framework what the value is going to be but for something like this which has no comparison there's nothing like oh well one one around the corner sold that was just the same size sold last week for x there's nothing like that so the valuation is a bit of a finger in the air and houses are worth what people will pay for them ultimately it doesn't matter what you think or what anyone else thinks they are worth what someone will write a check for so it's always always worth having a look putting in an offer my last place I did something similar with especially with wrecks and kind of stuff that is knackered um I mean to be honest once they'd accepted I actually then thought well there's no way we'll kind of get a mortgage on it like there's no way that a the value is going to say, yeah, that's mortgageable because most people would have looked at it and gone, it's uninhabitable. I think it's the same with my last place as well. Obviously, I moved in straight away and I was going to inhabit it, but they'd kind of think, well, it's not a, it's not a habitable house. But you know, with again, it went through and okay, and all is well okay. with the world. Yeah, so well, that's good. Yeah, because that is another thing that you often come up against, isn't it? The mortgage value situation. And so, so you're in. You've got the keys, but obviously, you've not got a whole lot of money. <laughs> what what was your like a how did you deal with overwhelm and b where did you start it was so I there's some people that know me quite well that kind of saw me in the first day or two of of me getting it and there was the house it smelled incredibly badly there'd been animals in it and all sorts of things so and and that was the that was the worst part of it actually because I mean because I was also living there I was like wow I'm going to be around this a lot <laughs> just like oh god it doesn't smell very good so that was the initial reaction I was apparently I went a bit white and was like oh my god what have I what have I done you know that's I think normal having spoken to quite a lot of people that are doing similar things you know that kind of the excitement and the build-up through the sale process or the purchase process and then the reality hits as soon as you kind of walk in see it empty for the first time which is when you get to really see the state that it's in which was not good so so there's kind of there was a a moment of panic certainly um but then you start you just get to work and I think I had no money at that point so it was just right what can I do that's that requires no money so the first job actually was to get the lower ground which is a separate kind of apartment flat with its own entrance and stuff like that the back half of that was the worst part of the house it hadn't been touched for probably 50 60 plus years really really bad state if you go on my account you can kind of see the before and afters of that state and they're only really small little rooms and low ceilings and things like that but they were just 
horrible. And I had a friend that needed somewhere to stay for a, a little bit. So I wanted to let him stay in the lower ground. So that was my priority for the first thing. Probably took six months to do three rooms and like the kind of connecting spaces and things down there. But it didn't require any money, really, not not serious money. It required just massive amounts of hard work and shoveling <laughs> out rubble and cleaning and clearing and sanding and stripping and and then and then decorating. Most of it is is pretty straightforward. Um, and most and a lot of it, the bathroom in there probably cost two hundred quid because I get all the taps secondhand or kind of reconditioned or whatever it is. The toilet was um, someone had bought but not fitted, but essentially secondhand, so it was thirty quid instead of three hundred and things like that. So you can you can create all the bathrooms in my first place were secondhand really beautiful quality it was a 2000 pound stone resin bath that i bought for 100 quid and and fixed up sort of thing so again you can have a really high end finish um if you're shopping around and and kind of creative yeah but it does where really require you, a massive amount of time yeah where were you finding most of it places like like gumtree facebook marketplace or uh, for my for my last place it was mainly ebay because the facebook marketplace wasn't really a thing at that point but facebook has been really good this time around for a lot of like things like bathroomy stuff ebay is, is still pretty good although there's so much on there now it takes quite a long time ebay is probably still the best thing if you've got something really specific in your mind and you set up alerts for when something comes on so if you want a really high-end bath they do exist you normally have to go to London for them because people in London seem to rip out perfectly beautiful bathrooms to replace them with still beautiful bathrooms just in a way of <laughs> spending money for some reason so you can get the first bath I put in here is a two and a half thousand pound Victoria and Albert stone resin bath that was in immaculate condition and I paid 100 quid for it so those those things exist I, I plumbed it in then so that was all free for in inverted commas obviously um and um and yeah so you just start going to work and that's why I did so I've done a lot of the bedrooms in the kind of main house now upstairs because bedrooms are quite cheap to do because they don't require that's why I've not done the kitchen yet the kitchen's next but that's why I've had to wait three and a bit years to start work on the kitchen because there was no budget for something like a kitchen so yeah you just you just work out what you can do with hard work and not too much cash. Well, I'm interested to know what you've been using as a kitchen for three years then. <laughs> what what did you have as your kitchen? What have you had up until this point? So there is there is a kitchen. It's the kitchen that the previous okay. um, owners used, but it's, um, well, I mean, it's, A, it's very inappropriate for the house. It's um, kind of purple melamine in a very small room. There's no cooker I sort of use a there's an oven but there's um like a single camping hob induction thing that plugs into the walls that's what I've been cooking on so it's, it's entirely livable it's perfectly serviceable and I'm able to kind of make beans on toast but um, <laughs> it's, it's um it's living not... a true renovation diet then yeah, yeah like some pot noodles maybe that's what I that's what <laughs> cheap, cheap, cheap fast <laughs> easy and filling are kind of you know the, the four main things but so it so it has a, a kitchen which will one day become a kind of to call it a, a fancy one, like a scullery come mm-hmm. butler's pantry it'll be the utility room come laundry room basically but it'll but it will be pretty it'll look I'm hoping like a sort of national trust-esque thing with big dresses with nice china and things like that well one day this is many years down the line obviously so and the well, kitchen maybe will... not. you're gaining pace well so... I mean, well I've just I mean it's taken four days to strip one and a half windows because of all the panelling and stuff so nothing happens that quickly unfortunately <laughs> Um, talking the, about your lovely china and yeah. the vision that you have a lot of people and when I put out that we were chatting with you a lot of people obviously absolutely love your style and absolutely love the way you put things together 
And now you've said also that you're colorblind, which amazes me even more because you're really, really good with colors and patterns. You clearly love wallpaper. And that's not an, always an easy thing to combine. So I was wondering, what's your process when it comes to putting your schemes together and color matching, pattern matching, things like that? I, people ask me this quite a lot. And I, I don't know, and I can give a lot of it. It's kind of blind look really I think being brave helps I was I used color a lot in my last place but I didn't use any wallpaper couldn't couldn't afford it if nothing else but also was a bit afraid of it a bit afraid of pattern and um I didn't use a lot of people are yeah afraid of pattern because you you can get it wrong but you can also get it so right and then it's so uplifting and sort of it just changes the room yeah I suppose when it said when I did my last place it was when it was right at the beginning when dark colours were sort of just just starting to creep in, but right on the kind of extremities. And I, I kind of didn't know any of this at the time. I wasn't on Instagram. I didn't didn't kind of know know what I was doing. I just sort of went with my gut a little bit. There was a couple of people actually mad about the house's blog and also Abigail Ahern's kind of blog website. I don't know what it was at the time, but were two quite big pieces of how I learned an inspiration for me. And they made me feel also like design and, and interior design was accessible. I didn't know anything about it. I don't have a design background at all. I'm a pretty normal bloke. So didn't feel like a lot of the kind of shows or content that was out there at the time was was made or written for me. Whereas these two kind of put it in a way that was really quite practical, quite straightforward with kind of straightforward rules and things to follow. So that was really, really inspiring and allowed me to be bold with colour. So I painted the the walls in my living room and kitchen a really dark, deep blue, which everyone at the time that I knew was like, well, it looks black. What are you doing? You can't paint a room that colour. It's insane. Whereas now it's kind of everywhere. It's, you know, it's pretty normal. And actually it's starting to shift the other way a little bit now. Mm-hmm. But it was just, you give it a go and it, and it worked brilliantly. And wallpaper, I think particularly, until I until I'd used it myself, I hadn't really realised how it can completely transform a space, and it changes it changes the dimensions of a space and how it feels, and it can lift ceilings and it can alter the kind of proportions of a room to make it more comfortable and feel bigger and grander and those sorts of things. So I now love what wallpaper can do with a room and the interest that it can give to a room, and uh, and and yeah, I think mainly just be brave, follow your gut. It's not as difficult, I don't think, as people think pick one thing I always start with one thing and I tend to I'm lucky I suppose because I'm not a designer I don't have to come up with a mood board I don't have to make all the decisions in one go mm. so I tend to allow a space to evolve so like I'm putting some I'm just choosing curtains now for a bathroom that I renovated and decorated two years ago so allow that if it's your own home allow things to develop and evolve over time because it allows you to live in a space for a while so you can put the wallpaper up and then go okay I really love this wallpaper I'm really happy with it now I can now I've lived with it for a while, I can work out what colour curtains I should have or what colour bedspread I should buy or whatever it kind of might be. I don't have the skill to kind of go, here's a whole scheme all together on one little mood board. I would just find that really terrifying. And (laughs) I think um, that's what people think they have to do as well. And I think it, it, and it doesn't mean that if you can't do it, you shouldn't do it you know just take yeah. more time and yeah. don't let it be overwhelming and let it the designers put an awful lot of effort into trying to make spaces feel collected yeah. over time and put together slowly it's almost yeah something we try to emulate so if you've got the time to bring things together naturally as they come exactly. and as you feel they need it and as you feel it fits and as you find it even you know you can't always find it and I think it's a better way as well because then you can find things like you were doing for your bathrooms you can find things that have either been pre-loved secondhand antique 
all these things rather than just going straight online and only having the options of what's available brand new at yeah. the moment, which yeah, may absolutely. not be right anyway. So I think pick one thing you love, it, whether it's wallpaper or fabric or a paint colour, and put that up or start working with that or live with it for a bit and then build a scheme around it once you take time. And whatever fabric or wallpaper you choose, you will definitely be able to find things that go with it. There is a million different fabrics and paints and all the rest of it out there so yeah it's 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 much easier than I think people realize I do think it's uh, listen to your house a little bit as well if I was living in a 1950s mid-century bungalow I would decorate it very differently I wouldn't be putting up 18th century chimoiserie I would I would let the house speak to me a little bit and let the spaces speak to me a bit so if your starting point is something that is reasonably period appropriate even if it's with a modern spin a modern twist whatever it is um it will always look right in the house. So this is 18th century wallpaper. The house is, well, very early 19th century, actually, but basically the same period. It means that it can't ever look wrong, as it were. That can't It can't be out of place because it's appropriate to the, the style and age and period of the architecture. So so if you if you start with that, if you're really scared, if you start with that and then build a scheme around that, you, you can almost never, never cock it up. You know, it's it's kind of, yeah. It's, it's a great okay. starting point, isn't it, for inspiration, especially if you're stuck with just like a blank space in front of you. And then yeah. because you, I think I think you've been really good at taking some initially, which I think a lot of people would stand in and think that they were plain rooms, especially with the lower ceilings rooms in the house, the ones that don't necessarily have lovely period features yeah. of which you have some. But I think you've done a really good job at bringing interest and sort of oh, detail, you. you know, like bringing them to life, basically. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of that is done through your the wallpaper and the color schemes that you've been brave with and it's worked really well but also I think you found some really nice furniture and artwork and things like that as well so I was wondering do you mostly hunt down antiques and things like that or is it how much of a mix is there between old and new it is a, it's a real mix and you know I really I really like the contrast between old and new I, re- I really love a lot of old stuff I mean that's kind of my um starting point my go-to old stuff brings texture and character like immediate character to to a space you know it kind of and especially for in an old house it looks kind of right it just feels appropriate but I really love it in super modern spaces as well so I just I love the kind of history I also really love how sustainable it is and the kind of how well made often it is and how cheap it often is as well although that's changing a little bit which is nice to see if I didn't have quite so many rooms still to furnish (laughs) but but it's nice that people are starting to appreciate beautifully made big brown furniture again that's you know has it's been around 150 years it's good for another 150 years you're not going to see that from a kind of flat pack chipboard type thing and reuse is the is the absolute best thing that you can get in terms of sustainability so I really love all of that however I do also really like the contrast of something that's incredibly crisp and sharp and new so in my entrance hall for example which has 18th century wallpaper it's got kind of oldie oldie worldy brass lamps and lanterns and that sort of thing it's got kind of a, a worn oak floor and it's then going to have a really crisp contemporary table sitting in there and I just think the two work really really well together also if this place was only furnished with antiques there is a risk it starts looking like like a sort of museum almost or a kind of National trust house yeah absolutely you walk around on a Sunday and you can't touch anything exactly <laughs> it's, it's a home you know it's got to feel comfortable and I think as soon as you put a few modern pieces in even if they're when I say modern it might be that they're from the 1950s or something like that but there are different periods and different eras places feel much more relaxed and lived in 
and like the sort of place that you can sit and slouch and you don't have to kind of be sitting all upright in your Victorian nursing chair or something like that. So there's that. And also I, I'm bigger than your average Georgian person was. So a Georgian chair just doesn't, it's probably going to break if I sit on it, you know, they're not built for my size. So certain pieces, upholstery, sofas, things like that. I love how, a, I love how beautiful a lot of Georgian sofas and chairs look, but I, I'm not going to sit one, one on an evening and watch telly because I'd be perched somewhere. And I'd not for Netflix break. binging. No, exactly. <laughs> so, so there's some practicalities in there as well with the kind of old and new. So, um, so yeah, if you, if you like it, it doesn't really matter where it's from or where it's from. It, it'll kind of work. Ben Pentreath is, is one of my favourite designers and he is, he is amazing. He does a lot of, I mean, I think he's kind of interior designers, the Royals and stuff. So he obviously gets to work on some really amazing, big, swanky houses, but has an amazing way of creating spaces that even though they're quite big ground spaces, you feel like you'd be able to walk in there, kick your shoes off and kind of put your feet up and relax. And it's because he introduces some modern touches, some playful, quirky touches, some almost kind of deliberately not too considered, slightly out of place shocks mm. as well it's like well I, you know I wouldn't put that in there but I really like it and it makes me feel really at home because it's quirky and it's got a lot of personality and things like that I really like that as well don't overthink it if you like it you can make it work find a place for it mm. so you're doing it room by room yeah um, all right so when you embark on each room do you have a budget in mind or does it just evolve as you go along do you have a big fat spreadsheet that you're <laughs> adhering to all the time do you have like key brands that you just go to straight away or do you have a list of favorites that you keep that then you turn to how do you begin and what how much are you allowing each room to cost you <laughs> I, I don't I don't have a budget for each room in my, so in my last place I had a budget I came in slightly under budget which was without kind of compromising anything I was really really pleased so so I yeah. kind of proved to myself now that because I've done that previously I can now I sort of feel comfortable now that I know the costs can go into a room and work out vaguely what it's going to cost me there's there's things so in the room I'm sitting in now it's one of the bedrooms that I finished a year ago it needs loads of furniture it needs art it needs loads of finishing touches those things will come in time if you're renovating if you've got a project it doesn't really matter what the size is your priority should be the renovating decorating bit the finishing touches like they're the fun bits do those you know go and visit the the antique fairs and the brocants and scroll through the auctions and like when you're finished the kind of the dirty gritty stuff things have changed a bit now because instagram is a huge part of my life it's my business it's how i earn my living a i have to create spaces that that look look finished even if strictly speaking they might not be so certainly the first year and a half in admiral's house people will have seen the same armchair and the same rug moved around across the various rooms as as props really as kind of dressing I still own those things and still like them and have them in rooms now a little bit more permanently but I had nothing I moved into the house with no furniture no art no belongings at all beyond kind of clothes really so I was completely starting from scratch but in order for people to visualize a space a bit more finished it needs a lamp it needs a chair it needs a rug so that's how it started and now it's my way of living and I get to work with some incredible brands that doing things on the budget I have would would just not be possible for me but those do dictate the order in which I do some of the rooms how I the thing I start with so if I'm working with a brand that would like me to use their wallpaper that will be my starting point I'll find the wallpaper that I want from their range and then that's what I'll kind of build the scheme around but it's it's different when it's now how I make my living and, and my business really I'm still renovating the house it's just that 
I've, I have a little bit more fun and a bit more flexibility in some of the things I get to I get to, to kind of play with and get to decorate with, which is it's really nice for me. I think it's really nice for the house. I think it kind of deserves it. I could have absolutely done it without any of this when I kind of came back to Instagram, having had a long break, as I told my last place. I had no idea what to expect. Certainly never expected in a million years to for it to become a business or anything like that. It's amazing that it is, but I would have still been doing this journey and the same thing. It would have just been different, slower but it kind of is what it is. So, but yeah, I'd always prioritise the stuff that is the dirty work first, which is difficult because it's not the pretty stuff. It's the plumbing, it's the new boiler, it's the, it's those sorts of jobs. But it's also things like the flooring. It's, that's only something you really want to be buying once. The, The wall coverings, whether it's wallpaper or paint, you know, it's get those bits done and then the decoration can come, can come next. And so with, with the Instagram side of things, obviously you're seeing a lot of people doing up houses and stuff and getting the partnerships and what have you, which is great. And actually Chelsea from the house that mm. Black built, I had a chat with her and she said very much the same thing. You know, it's really the situation with Instagram has really helped them along to do things much faster than they would have done otherwise. Yeah. Um, and I actually had a client not that long ago when we were starting their place they were like and shall we set up an Instagram for it is that what we should do and I just wondered in your opinion a whether you think there's still um space for and with the way Instagram functions these days um for people to easily get to the point where or fairly easily get to the point where they will get brand interest do you think it's sort of worth it if you're doing a big project to try and go down that route on purpose to help yourself out? And also at what point do you think real meaningful kind of ad and brand collaboration come in that will help you? So I would say if you don't love it and want to do it because you'll enjoy it. So I, you know, I started out and didn't think I'd get beyond a couple of hundred followers, but I, it's, there's a sense of community. And certainly when I started the account, I think back in 2017, there were very few people. There was a sort of handful of house accounts, really. Um, there, aren't, there weren't that many. No one was, no one was doing any brand collaborations or anything like that. It was just a really nice community of like-minded people sharing inspiration, sharing horror stories, feeling like, because when you're, when you're renovating, you know, it can be quite a lonely experience. You're working long hours, you're giving up holidays and weekends and social things because you're grafting and you're poor and there's work to do. So um, especially when you're then working full time around that, um, as I have been the whole time really. So because weekends and evenings are when the house gets done. So if you want to start Instagram, do it because it's a nice place to be and it's nice to share what you're doing. Absolutely. You know, you could be the next big house account. It's, it's entirely possible do not underestimate the amount of work that it is and you will do it for absolutely nothing for many years as you as you grow hopefully if you can a following it's um I started Instagram in 2017 did it for a while whilst I had my house sold my house started back up again worked on it again again probably 30 40 hours a week on top of renovating on top of a full-time job in marketing for a little bakery without without anything at all in terms of collaborations or whatever you want to call it so you don't think it's going to come by accident don't think it's going to come you're not going to be lucky really it's going to be very unlikely that it happens out of luck I'm sure Chelsea's the same and spends countless hours (laughs) on it and you might be lucky in that it it does grow and gets lots of traction but I would say there's a hell of a lot more people out there doing it than there was back in 2017 when I started which is great but there is a there is a saturation point in how many kitchens or living rooms people want to see and scroll through so every every time someone adds to the pot it dilutes things and it gets a little bit harder so it's it's entirely possible I you know my background is sales and marketing so I naturally 
have an understanding of that world. It's been part of my career for, for 20 years. So I kind of have a head start in that sense. I've got a head start because the house is quite unusual. And I've got a head start because I'm a because I'm a chap in a in a world. In a bathtub. In a world that is dominated, you know, predominantly by by females. So I stand out from the crowd. So I've been lucky, really lucky in that sense, really fortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do it because you love it, and honestly, it's a really lovely community, and I've learned a lot from it. I've had people suggest really, really good ideas, use them, and and change. I think the layout of my first bathroom I changed because someone said, "Oh, have you thought about this?" Um, so it's useful in that sense. Um, if you sit there going, oh, well, I'm, I'm now doing a renovation, so I'm now going to have a new business in Instagram, then yeah. that's, probably not the, that's probably not the approach I would take with it. So, um, but it is a really, really lovely space. You also have to have a thick skin. There are some unpleasant people that use the internet to, you know, vent their their bile for some reason. And, you know, you will become the, the butt of that as well. And um, it normally makes me chuckle. But if you're a sensitive soul, um, well, actually, if you're a sensitive soul, I probably wouldn't rent recommend recommend renovating because it's quite yeah. hard work but um, but you know the internet is full of unfortunately not nice people but that is only a tiny percentage most people are incredibly supportive and I do it is a not only is it a business now which is brilliant but it is a massive source of upliftingness uh, to me you know I feel like I've got a huge community of people um, rallying behind me and, and when I've had a horrible day actually for people to go well you're doing really well crack on um, that's a really it's a really really nice feeling you know I'd be I'd be pretty lost without it I think so um, so yeah I, so I, yeah yes I recommend but don't think it's going to become um, you know you're going to become the next Kim Kardashian or something like that from it. Kim Kardashian of homes <laughs> yeah, exactly. and so when it comes to wallpapers paint brands things like that do you find yourself returning to to certain brands time and time again yeah absolutely so I work with one one paint company for for all my interior paint um for me and I did with my last house as well actually it's every paint is a little bit different to use I'm really you know I spent I spent hours and hours and hours um prepping hours countless hours really and it's really grim work most of the time it's sanding and it's noisy and it's dusty I give myself lead poisoning and that sort of thing so you know there's lots of not fun parts about prepping which means I'm not just going to slap any old paint back on when I come to painting so learning I suppose um a that, that it's really really good painting it is it's beautiful paint but learning you know how much I need to um wet it down by if it needs it or how much conditioner it might need to really flow out in terms of the brush strokes and those sorts of things every paint is a little bit different so find a brand that you trust that you love that is um you know that people really like I know people have um there's some brands out there that like Farnball obviously has a domination around its colors and it does have really lovely colors but I didn't get on when I used the actual paint itself so if you're using a decorator it's different because they probably use loads of different brands and they're experts and all the rest of it but if you're doing it yourself and you want to get the best finish then it's worth finding a brand that you can learn how to use I think paint is the really specific one around that actually wallpaper is a bit different there are certain styles that work better in certain homes than others but it's more around its look than its purpose and function whereas for something like a paint brand or even like bathroom fittings my bathrooms are Burlington bathroom they're beautiful quality they're a really nice price point between quality and price and I know you know I kind of now understand how they go together and how to kind of fit them and things like that so there are some kind of nice useful bits around that as well it's it, it, like I say it's dependent if it's if it's about functionality and application it's a little bit different to just if it's if it's purely decorative I suppose yeah and when you're doing something like one of the living rooms where do you find yourself 
starting first? Do you find a sort of hero piece to start around? I saw that you reupholstered a chair fairly recently. Another thing that you need really strong hands for. Um, yeah, I was surprised. I don't think we got an easy job. It wasn't. It was bloody hard work. Yeah, it's really hard. Um, <laughs> But it's brilliant if you can do it, because then there's just no end to the customization that you can do yourself, which is brilliant, because getting things reupholstered is not cheap either. Um, do you find yourself often starting with a sofa, a chair or a rug or a piece of artwork? No, I, I tend to start with if it's wallpaper, I start with the wallpaper. If it's not going to be wallpaper, I start with the paint color. I, well, no, actually, that's a lie. So the first thing I start with is, is floor plan layout is the function of the room and the space. I need to understand what the space is going to be used for and what it's going to look like mm. in terms of its functionality. I'm really, I'm quite logical and practical in that sense. I know some people fall in love with the fabric or something like that, and then we'll kind of work out the details. Whereas I kind of need to know where the sofa is going, where the bit of furniture is going, what the room is used for. I need to understand the light in the room and where the sun is at certain times of day. So I know that if it's going to be a room that I use in the evening, when does it get the sun? Those sorts of things that are really important to me because I can then visualize the space in my head even if it's a sort of all white blank canvas and then work out what then might be appropriate but then it's it's almost always either paint color or wallpaper depending on what I'm using Mm -hmm. because everything else is you know the color of the sofa or the or the rug that you put in or something like that you know it's it's so much easier I think to you can change those things you can swap them out it's much easier to visualize those things in the space to me once I can see the space coming together with the paint or wallpaper up so no I get the room to the point where it's sort of de- like the walls and are decorated the floor is done and then I can go right what sofa is going to I know the size and the kind of shape of sofa I want because that's part of the floor plan but do I want it to be a color do I want it to be a fabric a pattern whatever it might be same with curtains same with um, furniture at that point as well you know I, I get the room to it sort of blank canvas decorated point and then I start adding the other bits and pieces which again is the joy of doing things a room at a time slowly being able to kind of live in a space for a while and, and appreciate it yeah and what item have you spent the most on so far what's your sort of most luxury item that you've allowed yourself that you've seen and you're like God, um, the, the roof I had to wait three years to do the roof it's oh. been leaking every winter I run around with buckets capturing leaks and things like that um and it was a vast sum of money. It's the single most expensive thing I've ever bought in my life. Roofs are painful. Bar, bar the house, yeah. I mean, the scaffolding alone is thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds. So, um, can imagine. Yeah, so the roof probably shouldn't feel like a luxury, but I can't. I cannot tell you how nice it is to know the house isn't leaking. That's a really, that's a really um, important thing. Stopping water into your house is such a huge thing. And I'd have loved to have got the keys and straight away, right, get on with the roof. That's so important, but. Those things are not cheap. And um, I mean, it took seven months to get planning permission to allow me to do it, even though I wasn't changing anything and it looks exactly the same. But the choice is listed. listed. Just grade two, two, the the lowest category of listing. But even so, and even though I was reusing all the slates, I mean, from the outside, it it doesn't look different at all. You cannot tell it's been re-roofed, which is slightly painful when you spend quite a lot of money on it. But but it's great. That's how I wanted it. And it's how it should be on a listed building where possible to retain the existing materials, etc. So that 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 obviously is a is a luxury. Beyond that, I mean, I've just signed off plans on the, the kitchen which is whilst I'm working with someone and I'm very grateful for a discount on that for the work that I'll be doing for them to showcase how how brilliant they are it's still it's still not not a, not a cheap thing to put in but it will it'll be the most used room in the house I love to cook I love to entertain it's I'm 
overwhelmed with how beautiful I think the thing that we've come up with is. I just hope that I can now do it justice in the flesh because the CGI is looking incredible. So I'm really, I'm really, really excited about that. You know, it, it transforms how you use a house. So, um, so yeah, I think that's going to be a really, a really, really special space. Yeah. And when you break it down, the cost of it down into how much you'll use the space and for how long, suddenly it becomes quite reasonable. I find. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm hoping that Admiral's is, is the forever home and and I won't be changing the kitchen anytime. So, you know, this kitchen will will last for my tenure happily. If I'm here another 30 years, then I'll need to repaint it. You know, I might need to. Um, you know, I might need to polish the marble tops, you know, now and again and things like that. But it's I've designed it in such a way that it's it already looks old. So it's not like it's going to date because it looks like it's 200 years old. And um, and it's beautifully made. So it will stand the test of time. It, it's more expensive than a kind of flat pack kitchen, but it, it will be endlessly repaintable. I mean, Howard, the guy that makes it, has shown me pictures of kitchens he fitted 15 years ago that he's just gone in and repainted. And they look brand new. And if you want to change the look of it, you can change handles and stuff if you want. But I've designed it in such a way that it should be the only kitchen I ever need to put in this house. And I'm hoping to be here for, you know, however long I've got left, 30, 30 40 years. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if the lead poisoning gets to me first. But, um, yeah, and just don't go up too many tall ladders, you know, just be a bit yeah. careful. Um, so, yeah, so- when you break it down, it's, it's incredibly good value if it's going to last me the next 40 years. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. So how do you, do you have an idea in mind of when you think you might be finished? It, it keeps getting longer, <laughs> to mm. be honest. When I when I bought the house and, and thought about it and sat down and how long I thought it might take, um, I thought five years would be OK. Based on how long it took my to do my last place, this place is about two and a half times the size, 8,000 odd square foot. So I thought, oh, yeah, it's a pretty straightforward calculation. Unfortunately, this place is quite a lot older and a lot more knackered. The thing that is going to take the time is stripping all the paint back. In the first few rooms I did, I, I didn't do it, thinking I could just give them a really good sand and feel and all the rest of it. The paintwork is in such bad condition and been so badly applied, it just has to come off. It is excruciatingly time-consuming. It takes... Because of the amount of woodwork in this house, because of all the panelling and the detail, there are 60 windows, there are 100 internal doors, and numbers are just astronomical. And it just, to do it safely and to not, you know, poison yourself, because it's all lead-based paint, there might be arsenic in there, all sorts of things. It is just a really, really time-consuming process. So I think because I'm now having to strip all the paint, that's probably immediately overnight added two years to the, to the whole project. Mm. On top of that, it's got quite a big walled Georgian garden with lots of beautiful established trees but when I got the keys again was a kind of completely overgrown mess brambles everywhere there was a greenhouse hidden under brambles that I didn't even know was there so you know it was a real mess so I think and I don't know anything about gardening so I need to learn how to garden and I need to learn how to design a garden and then I need to implement said garden and it's I think it's about half an acre two-thirds of an acre something like that so it's a for a city centre house it's a reasonable size so that's probably going to take two three years so I'm hoping people enjoy seeing me you know dig holes in gardens as well for a while um because that'll be that will my account will include obviously the garden and the outbuildings yeah. the outdoor spaces oh well, well i'll so, definitely look forward to that i love the outdoor space well, i might be rubbish so you know don't, don't, don't look, good, good tip do spend a little bit of money on things that have that are slightly established to do your key things and then that just it just a bit like getting a room ready to visualize it just lifts the spirits and then you don't mind digging all the holes around it quite so much because you see something quick you know <laughs> that you can't kill that easily you know? yeah no that that as well my, my parents are really really green fingered so I'm hoping that you oh, know perfect. 
they'll they'll a you know give me a few tips but b hopefully some of that's rubbed off on me somewhere down the line so um so yeah they've got a really beautiful garden up north so yeah it's uh, fingers crossed and do you know how much you've spent so far no <laughs> you keep a tally or i've got a tally but i've not looked at it for, for a really long time i don't know it's probably with the roof it, it must be a hundred thousand pounds now something like that so far um yeah I, I, i'm not i'm not too sure i would guess something like that really yeah be honest if you're planning to stay there it doesn't really matter anymore yeah. does it that's the thing yeah. well and to be honest i bought the house so so well, uh, cheap is not the right word because it was still an insane amount of money to me, but but comparatively good value for the size. And because of the market down here has gone um, a little bit loopy, I know that if worst case scenario I had to sell, even if I'd spent double that at this stage, I've probably not overspent in terms of what the value of the house is. So, so there's some comfort there. Um, my spending is dictated really by what I can afford and um, there's loads of work that I'm not going to be able to do like the roof I obviously couldn't do that myself so the, there's a there's a flat uh, roof come roof terrace that goes out of the ground floor that covers some of the lower ground that you walk out to onto the back which is completely knackered and the walls around it because it's a later Victorian extension are knackered and there's railings that are knackered and falling off it's all quite dangerous and water again is getting in and things like that and I'm not going to be able to install a flat walkable roof myself it's a really specialist thing I would I would just that's not a DIYable job to me at least anyway but that's probably going to cost 30 40 I, I I don't know loads of money basically and, and I don't have that so, so you know that will have to wait until I can afford so, it. Um, shout out to a flat flat walkable <laughs> <thing> company <laughs> get in touch <laughs> if only um so you know it's all and because it's listed again it's not straightforward I can't just go out there and stick any old thing down so um so the budget for this place I was really on it with my last one because it was quite specific it very much had a ceiling in terms of what it would ever be worth. I knew I couldn't overspend. I didn't, I wasn't doing it to, for profit or anything like that, but I just, I never wanted to be in a position where I'd spent more than I could get back and end up with negative equity and all those sorts of horrible, horrible things that, you know, people get into trouble with. So I was quite strict with myself there. This place, I'm still really strict in terms of I demand good value for everything that I spend my money on. If you didn't, this would run away with you really, really quickly. <laughs> so, so you know, I want the best bank for my book with everything that, that I spend on, but it's a much more open-ended book in terms of, it will still be done incredibly good value compared to what, you know, you could spend on it. This place could sink, God knows, fortune, I'm sure. half a million, a million. It's why it never sold, because if you were... If you know, if you were doing it, if someone else was doing the work for you, well, you'd need a team of people to do it for you. Realistically, you could just spend an absolute fortune. And there is again, there is a cap on on what it's worth. That's gone up quite a lot in the last couple of years. But it, there is still a a point at which no house within this area can be worth. It's not like it's in Kensington or something like that. <laughs> and that's always missing? worth remembering as well when you take on these projects, because if you are going, if it's going to be your forever home, then fine. It, it really doesn't matter so much. But if you are looking at resell at some point down the line, you do have to be realistic about what you're going to achieve from the in the area and put your heart to one side for yeah. a moment and I've, just think with a numbers head a little bit. I mean, I would even say if, even if you think it's your forever home, don't get yourself into trouble because life changes you know I didn't expect to be leaving my last place as quickly as I did but you know things happen in your life that are unexpected and all of a sudden you might find yourself in a position where you need to sell and and if you have overspent then that might make life more difficult for you in the future so now I would always I'm a Yorkshireman so I'm maybe a little bit more you know kind of on it than others around when it comes to cash 
But I think if I wasn't, I, w- I could get myself into trouble really, really quickly here. So I just have to be really, really careful and, and yeah, and work really, really hard to, to sort of compensate for the lack of the lack of budget. Well, it's amazing, really, that you've been able to do it and offer yourself that by putting the hard work in. So if you sat down and had a beer with your former self the day that you got the keys, what would you have said? Have a, have another beer. Um, <laughs> stock up. Stock up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Investing, invest shares in a beer company. I would just, I would probably, uh, I'm, I'm really happy with how things have, how things have gone. I would probably say, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a lot. I've been really fortunate, like I say, in the way that life has taken me. I, I think actually looking back now, I probably was a bit naive. I'm, I'm an inter- eternal optimist, and just figure everything will be, will be fine eventually you know and it all work out I think were it not for the the good fortune with Instagram becoming my line of work I might kind of three and a half years in now be thinking well bloody hell you know how long can I sustain this this pace of work and actually uh, what would have gone would have been Instagram I would have had to have stopped being on Instagram because I couldn't have sustained that level of work and my full-time job and do the house up if the if there wasn't a reason for me to be on Instagram so in that sense I just I can't really grumble I think it's all gone pretty pretty well and I, and I love living here it's a beautiful place to live Plymouth is a great city Devon is a great you know place I'm going down for a swim with my mate later after I've done all my paint stripping in the sea you know we're going to walk there it's a really nice thing the house is is the gift that keeps on giving I still absolutely love it it is a monster and it it does take a lot from you but it also gives an awful lot back so um so yeah I would just kind of say chin up everything's going to be fine <laughs> nice then isn't it I wonder what your future self in like three years will be would be saying if they were sat with you right now (laughs) if only I could glimpse into the future a crystal ball yeah absolutely although the thought of three of me it's slightly terrifying I think think how much you could get done on the house oh god yeah that would be that would be great actually yeah that would be fantastic that would speed things up no end yeah blimey yeah okay well I will let you get back to your paint stripping so that you make it in time for your swim (laughs) but thank you so much for taking the time it's been really fascinating and it's so nice to to speak to the to the man behind the house well it's been an absolute pleasure no thank you very much and yeah it's always always lovely to chat things through it kind of makes you realize you you don't often kind of sit back and think about it you're so kind of on the day-to-day just head down crack on crack on crack on so it's really nice to actually go oh yeah I've done a bit and you know I I honestly think you should be so proud of yourself because seriously I think most people would just crumble at the (laughs) end (laughs) or at least they would start and then crumble (laughs) I do I I mean I do there is a phrase my my mother has kind of instilled into me bless her it's funny that the the harder I work the luckier I get it's one of those it's one of those things so I think if you have that kind of mindset um then then you'll then you'll be all right yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. well I can't wait to see it finished (laughs) and and to see what you're going to do with the garden because that sounds really really exciting I love a greenhouse are you going to renovate the greenhouse uh, I think I'm probably going to knock that greenhouse down and put a nicer one in place because um, it's not it's not a lovely Victorian kind of beautiful. beautiful okay. Thing. I think I think I can do better. So um, so yeah, but there'll be there'll be something of some description. Absolutely. It's nice. exciting. Well, thank you so much, and I hope maybe we can do a catch up again in like a year's time and see where you're at at that point. We can do a garden one instead of a house one. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be, well the kitchen be done by then actually be nice to talk about that that'd be great so kitchen and kind of main living room are, uh what I'm working on now just starting to so nice. give me give me eight eight ten twelve months hopefully those okay. two spaces will and we be can done do an and, admiral um, house kitchen special 
that would be lovely. Didn't I tell you guys that that was worth a listen? Really, really lovely chatting to Greg and another thank you to him. I cannot wait personally to see what he does with his garden. He seems to accomplish things, well, I say easily. Obviously, we know it's hard work behind the scenes, but clearly he's got a talent and a knack for learning new stuff and doing brilliantly at it. And yeah, I can't wait to see what he does with the garden and I'm going to be holding him to the kitchen chat later on. In case you didn't get it earlier, his Instagram handle is man with a hammer. That's his only platform, so go find him there, go give him a follow, and you can watch the rest of his journey. And as promised, the code for our sheet is when the dust settles. You can just put that in at checkout, and you'll find the link in the show notes. Um, I'll be putting it up on our Instagram as well, and on our Facebook group, which if you're not already following, it's Ain't Nobody Like a Homebody give us follow really great group i'll be putting it up there as well Uh, use the code download it i'd love to hear any feedback because we want to be continually improving it and it is the first part of a series of things that are going to help you if you want to be your own project manager doing these projects yourself we want to give all our knowledge to you make it available so that if you want to take on these tasks yourself you feel like you are confident in doing so also thank you again so much to those that have given us ratings and reviews if you want to give us a rating and review that would be really lovely because every little helps and it really helps us get found by more people similarly if you think this conversation could help someone else or someone else might be interested in it please do give us a share we love that too obviously and thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time (laughs) 